was incredible is what that was, I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. <clears throat> she ain't even here right now, and y'all need to give her some hand claps. Yes, sir. All right. So, I guess I don't have to make mention uh, to dismiss for Children's Church, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I don't know. All right, so look, y'all, uh, <clears throat> I had another message prepared uh, for this week. I was going to kind of follow it up with the theme that we've been talking about for the past few Sundays in reference to faith, and I had some things on my mind for that, but um, this still kind of goes in line with that theme, but I've titled this message, Love and a Sound Mind. How many of y'all think and believe that uh, right now that uh, some folks need a sound mind? Yes, sir. So our text is going to be found in, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 today. And um, during this time of extreme uncertainty and paranoia over this COVID-19 coronavirus, uh, fear has absolutely taken hold over the minds of many of our brothers and sisters. Not only taken, you know, taken hold of, but honestly has taken control of as well. Amen. In fact, I've heard so many people say as of recently that when they go out in the public, they can actually feel the fear emanating from the people around them, almost like that feeling of somebody watching you from the woods or from the blinds or something. Y'all know that feeling, right? This is the type of feeling people are talking about when they go out in the public. They can feel the fear emanating from the lives of people around them. And as such, unprecedented decisions are being made in our society and in our government and in our communities right now, such as major sporting events canceling entire seasons. In America, in the United States, you know if they're canceling sports, they're scared. Amen? Because these people are like, sports are folks' religion around here. And, and part of that reason is because of the amount of money that is generated uh, from these sporting events. Imagine all that money that's, that gets generated, and yet they're like so scared, they have shut down entire seasons, uh, canceling these sporting events, and they're just, they're going crazy. And so, however, I do want to say, and I'm not making light of the situation. Please understand where I'm coming from, somebody. I'm definitely not making light of anything that's happening in our community right now. However, I do submit this very thing to us in this place. To those of you who are online, as a matter of fact, I do want to say this, that it may be interesting that the gospel may be preached even farther today than it has been in a while because of the online presence amen because and here's what i'm going to say i'm gonna look right i guess that's the camera i'm looking at but look right now if you on facebook i'm asking that you would share and add and invite people to tune in on your facebook invite all your friends to this video to this sermon whether you're watching it live or whether you're going to be watching it later it comes across your feed or whatever share this video and ask people to join in right now, and let's get the gospel of peace. Somebody heard that before, right? The gospel of peace. The gospel is not something of chaos. It is something of peace, something that we desperately need right now. So I'm asking you right now, if you're watching, whether it be live or whether it be later on, share this video and invite your friends to watch this video. 
We're talking about having love and a sound mind during time of crisis. And I submit to all of us as we're watching and listening that nothing that's happening right now has caught the Lord off guard and by surprise. Nothing. And my challenge to us all is to keep in our minds that we as Christians are to remain steadfast in the faith. Somebody say faith. We are to remain steadfast in the faith in which we have been called into by the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Redeemer. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. When the salt loses its flavor, it's good for nothing. Amen? So right now, it's not time for the Christians to begin panicking and losing the flavor for which we've been destined and created for. However, it's a time to start pouring that salt down on somebody's head and saying, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, have peace and safety right now by the power of God. I made that last part up there. When everyone around us is panicking and acting like a bunch of crazy folks, we should be praying for peace and for comfort. During the 1300s, when the entire world was hit by something called the bubonic plague or the black death or the black plague, it was the Christians who stepped up and provided assistance and comfort to those in need. And I don't know if y'all never looked at or researched uh, the black plague, but that junk's crazy. That was some crazy stuff right there. I won't even get into it, it's so gruesome. But Christians had stepped up in that time of need, and even in many cases, because there was no one else, put them on selves in harm's way in order to be the light of the world. And now I'm not saying, so please understand, that we need to go make a huge pot of chicken soup and run to the local hospitals. Because thank God he has already equipped medical teams to administer care to the afflicted that, and, you know, and already has all of that aspect covered. Amen? Thank God for that. Thank God we're not living back in the 1300s where they didn't have access to medical coverage the way that we do today. And some nations across the globe right now don't have it like we do. Amen? They don't have what we have. Thank God in this country we are extremely blessed. But what I am saying is this. That we are to become and also remain the voice of reason in times of chaos. The voice of faith and voice of reason in this time of chaos. None of us should be caught... Just like God is not caught off guard and by surprise, none of us, too, should be caught by surprise if any of us have been reading our Bibles, Pastor Dave. Does the Bible not say uh, a lot of these crazy things that's happening in the world today was going to happen? Rumors of war, wars, pestilences, famines, and droughts, and all these different things would come upon the earth. This little coronavirus is nothing compared to what's to come, y'all. Nothing. I want y'all to think about that for a second. 
Because you know what? Right now, we've got a lot of people preparing in the natural. But church, I'm telling you right now, we also need to be prepared in the spiritual for what's to come. I'm telling you. Because even if the end times don't come in our lifetime, who's going to continue passing the mantle, teaching the next generation to, to watch because the end will come as a thief in the night and you better be prepared. Church, right now is a time we should also be preparing and even more so in the spiritual than in the natural. I wonder if we don't compose ourselves now during a minuscule crisis such as what we're experiencing now, what are we going to do when the real deal comes? Because believe me when I say it is coming. Some homework for y'all, since y'all ain't got nothing else to do. Uh, although I did see on my way here, not only was uh, Publix and Kroger full, so was a Burlington Coat Factory. Maybe not full, but half full. Definitely half full parking lot at Burlington, right up the street. All right, but I know some, most of y'all are not going to be doing that. So my homework for y'all is when you get home is to go and read Matthew 24. Go read, uh, and really on from there, but 24, man, you're going to see some stuff. And you'll have some people say, well, that's not for the Christians. I disagree. That's just for the Jews. I disagree. It's the word of God and all scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. I say and submit Matthew 24 is for the Christian. Also read 2 Thessalonians. Go check out the book of Revelation. And y'all are going to see what I'm talking about here this morning. Or this afternoon or tonight or whenever you watch it. Jesus is coming back and before he comes, it's not going to be pretty. So I submit to you this, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. But in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. In other words, what he's saying is when you trust in him... You're not going to be the one out there panicking, not knowing what to do. But your faith in him will direct your path. So today we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1. Um, I really, I'm going to read the whole chapter just to put everything in the context. I really don't have probably enough time to go through everything in it. But we're going to do some little highlights throughout it. But I want to set the whole stage so you hear and see what he's talking about here, what's going on. So chapter 1, 2 Timothy 1 through 18. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. 
greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee. I underline that part of my Bible. To stir up the gift of God which is in thee. By the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou... Hey, you know what? Give me some music on it. Hallelujah. Be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us... I don't know about y'all, but he saved me. Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But now, but is now... Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, and I ask that you would make it known to us right now in Jesus' name. Father, that you would quicken it within our spirits. We lift you up in this place, and we thank you for all that you're doing. I love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we can really learn a great deal from the life of Paul. How many of y'all agree with that statement? In most all of his writings to the various different churches spread abroad, he opened his letters acknowledging the fact that he was an apostle called by the will of God. Yet, in all, even so, (laughs) Paul was like one of the most persecuted individuals this ever lived. And But he admitted and acknowledged this very fact that he was an apostle called by the will of God, yet because he was an apostle, he suffered many things. That's kind of a hard pill for, for us to swallow. And according to his letters, he was constantly praying and thanking God for Christians all around the world. Every, just about every letter that he wrote, You'll read those things at the very beginning. I thank God for thee, for your faith and for your dedication to the gospel and all these things and for your help for me. I'm all, in all of his letters, he's always talking about how he's constantly praying for and thanking God for the faith of his fellow believers. Some of Paul's letters were written because he was planting a church somewhere that he could not leave that church until that church was able to stand on its own two feet in the faith in Jesus Christ. And because of this, he would write letters of correction, encouragement, warning, and love because he was not able to be at these churches in their times of need. So the next best thing was to write these letters which we have in our Bible. However, this second, there's all those types of letters, but there's another type of letter that Paul would write too, this being one of them. The second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy that we just read from is a little different. Paul had written letters from prison before, but it wasn't prison like he was in in this particular instance. 
those imprisonments weren't quite as serious as this one. The emperor of Rome at this time, his name, does anybody know his name? Nero. The emperor Nero, who was uh, over Rome at this point of time when Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, uh, this particular guy was in no shape, form, or fashion a friend to Christians at all. And around the summer of 64 AD, a fire broke out in the middle of, in the city of Rome. And this fire burned for almost one week straight. How many of y'all know that back in the day, uh, they didn't have 911? They didn't have a phone, like a smartphone, and they were like, y'all, y'all send the fire department, man, it's like going crazy over here. Y'all bring the trucks and all this and all. They had little buckets, man, and they formed a line, you know, as long as they could. And, you know, all day and all night, they're trying to throw buckets of water on this fire. But this fire burned so great for almost one week straight. It just continued to incinerate almost three quarters of the city of Rome. And rumors had it that it was Nero himself that set the fire ablaze for his own entertainment. We call that uh, arson in nowadays, and that's illegal, actually, for those of you who don't know. All right. And then rumors had be- these rumors that Nero was the one that set the fire. He was like, all right, I got to get the attention off of me. So what he did was he blamed the Christians for setting the fire. Some of the most valuable sources of Roman history as well as external Christian history. How many, right, I'm going to teach y'all a little something for those of you who don't know it. How many of y'all knew or know that there are external non-Christian writings that give credence to Christianity, the existence of Jesus, Pontius Pilate hanging Jesus, authorizing Jesus to be hung on the cross. There are Roman and other historians that were not Christians that lived during this time that wrote historical documents that we have that said all of these things actually happened. One of the most valuable sources of this type of Roman history as well as Christian history comes from the writings of a Roman senator slash historian named Tacitus who lived from 56 A.D. to 120 A.D. So he was actually alive during Paul and John and Peter and all those guys' ministry. And he was a Roman senator and historian. And Tacitus wrote this in one of his books. The following account was written by the Roman historian Tacitus in his book, Annals, published a few years after the event. Tacitus was a young boy living in Rome during the time of the persecutions of the Christians. This is what he wrote. Therefore, to stop the rumor that he had set Rome on fire, talking about Nero, he falsely charged with guilt and punished with the most fearful tortures the persons commonly called Christians who were generally hated for their enormities. Christus, who was Jesus, the founder of that name, was put to death as a criminal by Pontius Pilate 
procurator of Judea in the reign of Tiberius, but the pernicious superstition repressed for a time broke out yet again, not only through Judea, where the mischief originated, but through the city of Rome also. In other words, uh, after Christ was crucified, that didn't do away with what he called or labeled the pernicious superstition. Not only had it not done away with, but Christianity, even in the midst of great chaos and calamity and persecution, was spreading like this wildfire all throughout the ends of the Middle East and beyond. Whither all things horrible and disgraceful flow from all quarters as to a common receptacle and where they are encouraged, accordingly, first those were arrested who confessed they were Christians. Next, on their information, on their information, the ones who were arrested, a vast multitude were convicted not so much on the charge of burning the city as of hating the human race. That was the writing of a Roman senator and historian that lived during an eyewitness to these accounts that was not even a Christian yet this... So just imagine. I mean, that's some pretty solid evidence of what's going on around him. And in the rest of his writings, it is very evident, and even in what we just read, the pernicious superstition... He was not in, you know, uh, in love with Christians. He wasn't trying to, you know, take up for or give credit to. He's just giving a non-biased historical account of what's going on here. Is this interesting to anyone? In other words, Nero's hatred for the Christians caused him to falsely accuse torture for entertainment and for false information. All right and then kill the Christians that he arrested. Knowing the whole time they weren't the ones that you know, did what they've been accused of doing. During these bouts of torture, the Christians would then give names of other Christians in hopes of stopping the pain they would endure from being tortured. Now, there is a lot of uh, entities that when they capture someone for information, they may try and torture them to get information or whatever. But it is a known fact that people under a certain amount of pain and distress will say anything they think that you want to hear, whether it's true or not, so that the pain, you'll stop torturing them. That's, that's known. Like you would, you would literally just give anything, uh, and you know what they're searching for, so you just tell them what you think they want to hear, so they stop torturing you, which is exactly what was going on during this period of time. And at some point during all of this, Paul was captured and thrown into a dark dungeon somewhere in Rome where he awaited the punishment for his faith. That's, that's where this setting right here that we just read in 2 Timothy is coming from. Paul knowing all of the events transpiring around him and he'd been in prison like six years of his life, y'all. But he knew and shipwrecked, stoned, uh, and not in the sense that uh, they're trying to do, make legal today. Amen. Um, 
lashes, what is it, 39 minus 1 or whatever, which basically means a beat within one lash of your life. That's what that means if you ever read that in the Bible. So in, this is why all of that is why we see in verse 4 what Paul writes to Timothy here. He says, I greatly desire to see you. Being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Paul is in this Roman dungeon, and he's writing this letter to Timothy, knowing Timothy is, you know, heartbroken because he knows what's about to happen to Paul in just a short period of time. Paul is probably real lonely in that deep, dark dungeon in his natural mind, wouldn't you think? How many of y'all would like to be in this position? How many of y'all would just be desperate for some human interaction? Yes, sir. So he's writing that, and he's like, man, I know you're going through it because of my situation. You know, and, and not only so, but a lot of people have actually turned their back on me because they're ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because there's this great persecution that's happening. People are getting thrown up in the jail and locked up all over. And they don't want that to happen to them. And so they're turning their back on the Christian faith. And those who are being persecuted for their beliefs. And that's what you read uh, down here towards the end of this chapter. Thou knowest that they which are in Asia be turned away from me. Of whom are that Phygelus guy and Hermogenes. So people are departing and turning their back on this man of God who has literally submitted his life for the furtherance of the gospel. And you see, Timothy was like a son to Paul. And Paul, a father to Timothy. So Paul's letter to Timothy here is basically a call for Timothy to stir up the gift of God that was in him. During this time of crisis where Christians were being executed for their faith all around him. In other words, it's not time to lay down, Timothy. It's time to rise up. It's time to stir up the gift of God that you know is within you. What Paul was, and Timothy, and Paul, and Onesiphorus, and pretty much everyone else that knew Paul, knew that he was about to suffer that same fate for which all these other people were being tortured for sport. You know, the Romans had a, a, a way of, uh, their, their prisoners, you know what they did with them? They threw them in the Colosseum. And then they uh, gave them like nothing or chained them together and all this type stuff like that. And then they got to fight their way out of it against trained soldiers and whatever. And all that was was a sport. And they called a whole town, the whole city together. And they'd come from all over the world to watch this sporting event where people were being murdered right there in front of them. So Paul was basically passing the mantle. Remember Elijah and Elisha? Elisha, you know, my student, I'm going on. But now it's time for you to carry the torch. It's not time for you to lay down. In fact, I'm going to give you a double portion of the anointing for which I had because you're going to need it. So Paul was basically passing this mantle, putting Timothy in remembrance that no matter what may be going on around them, he must continue teaching and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The enemy 
Oh, and this kind of goes along with this uh, word that's going on in this crazy head of mine right now. But the enemy has been trying to disrupt the flow and intervene on behalf of the seed or the word of God. Trying to interrupt that and stop that flow, which is exactly what was happening here. Why were they so hated? When you begin to read and study like uh, early Christianity, you'll see that they were the best uh, citizens in the country. They always paid their taxes. They always were uh, obedient to the authorities over them. They loved people. They served people. They were upstanding citizens. What made them so hated? I wonder if the enemy had anything to do with that. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. I wonder if Nero might have been listening to the wrong spirit because I know he wasn't listening to the Holy Spirit. There had to have been some type of spiritual involvement going on here to be persecuting these people like this. So Paul's passing this mantle and he's telling Timothy, it's time to remember who you are, what you've learned, and what you know, keeping your faith, stirring up the gift, even if it costs you everything. Because church in America, we've got this gospel that we preach that everything is better when you come to Christ. And it is in maybe a spiritual sense. But in many instances, you may lose a lot of things. I came, uh, there will be divisions, father against sons and sons against daughters and all these different things. The gospel has a way of dividing the sheep on the right hand from the goats on the left. The wheat from the tares. That's one, that's like the, oh, that's where it's going right there. Oh, y'all gonna, y'all gonna see, y'all pray for me. Now, what I really want us to focus on here is found in verse 7. For God, although all this is happening around you, even to me, someone whom you view as a spiritual father that you love and care for greatly, and that, you know, you're shedding tears for now as we see in verse 4. He said, but even in the midst of all of that chaos and crisis, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In light of everything that's going on because of Emperor Nero or COVID-19 coronavirus or whatever else it may be and will be, how many of you know that know there will be some more times of chaos and crisis? God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, church, fear is a spirit. God hath not given us the spirit of fear. And this particular spirit is definitely not from the Holy Spirit. Nowhere in Scripture does the Bible tell us to run around in fear of sickness and disease and buy up all the toilet paper for some unknown reason. 
The only fear that we're to have, let dominion in our lives, is the fear of the Lord. I looked up the word fear in my pure Bible search software that I have on my computer. And do you know how many times the word fear is found in my King James Bible? 400. Exactly 400. We know that the number 40 represents times of being tested and tempted, such as when Jesus was tempted of the devil 40 days and 40 nights. Or the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And before that, Moses was in Egypt as a son of the Pharaoh for 40 years. Then he went and killed a dude and then ran to the wilderness to escape the wrath of the Pharaoh. And guess how long he was there for? Forty more years. Times of being tested and fine-tuned, if you will. And why didn't the children of why did the children of Israel wander around in the wilderness for 40 years? Because of their lack of faith. You find that in Hebrews chapter 11. Out of those 400... Now, I did not exhaust this part uh, because I I changed this message so last minute. I did not exhaust this list here, but it would be interesting to go ahead and exhaust it out. But I I didn't have enough time to read 400 verses, y'all, where the word fear was used. I'm sorry. But I, I did research some of them. Out of those 400 times the word fear is found in the Bible... 63 times says, fear not. Fear ye not eight times. Twice it says that your enemies will be the ones in fear of you. 30 times it talks about the fear of the Lord. There are multiple accounts of people being afraid of men because of fear of retaliation because they had somehow... Uh, deceived this man and then got caught. And they were scared because of their deception. But that ain't fear from the Lord, amen? That's fear for the uh, consequences of your actions. Which never would have happened had you not have deceived that person in the first place. Fear, fear God, that, all of these are little, you know, uh, statements or whatever. Fear God is found ten times. How many commandments are there? Fear thy God is found five times. It talks about having fear of the Lord so we may not continue in sin a few times as well. How many of y'all know fear of the Lord is the uh, cure or solution for sin? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. It starts there. When you begin to realize that I'm this tiny, insignificant, seemingly insignificant piece in a vast universe. And outside of Him, I am. But then finding Him in the proper perspective, putting Him in that place of fear and adoration and like the proper perspective because He is God, that causes a certain amount of fear slash reverence. But that reverence is still a form of fear because we're like, man, He could squash me out like a bug in a heartbeat. He's the most powerful thing ever. He's God. 
So it is reverence, but it's reverence out of like, whoa. That's, you know, just the thought of that. On and on it goes. Like I said, I didn't exhaust that. Many, many more. But never once, no matter how hard I tried to find it, I could not find a verse that said, fear the coronavirus and start acting like a bunch of heathens, thus saith the Lord. I didn't find it. So if I were to sum up all that I want to say to you guys in this message, I would say it like this. I'm going to give you four things in the form of Scripture. Number one, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And his children shall have a place of refuge. Proverbs 14, 26. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear in the respect of panicking at every twist and turn and uncertainty this life has to throw at us. But in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge in this place. Proverbs 14, 26. Number two, according as his divine power, somebody say power, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things, I underlined all things in my Bible, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him who hath called us to glory and virtue. This is uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, 3 and 4, by the way. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. He's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Not some things or most things or, you know, you might need it, you might not, but all things. God has given us. Why? So that we may be able to escape the corruption of this world and the lust thereof. That doesn't mean that we won't be affected by the calamities that transpire in this world just as Paul didn't escape it. Paul made a, there is an overall theme in Paul's life and message and ministry that says fellowship of his suffering. Not his, but Christ's. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. And Christ suffered many things. But we have a hope that this ain't the end. This ain't all that there is. And that brings peace and power. The third thing I want to say to you. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And love means ministry, does it not? 
Love means giving. Love is always giving. The fourth and final thing I want to say to you. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of, love, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. I have heard many accounts right now of shame over people's faith in Jesus Christ right now because of this crisis. Afraid of what people are going to think about if you happen to make mention, thank God I belong to the Most High God and He'll see me through this time of crisis. I have literally heard people ashamed of that testimony. And it breaks my heart. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, like all those that turn their back on me in Asia. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Let us be that Onesiphorus, that when everybody else began to turn their back on Paul, look what verse 16 says. 2 Timothy chapter 1. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus. For he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. Imagine your bet, the God that is like founding the church one of, to, the, to the Gentiles, preaching the gospel. A new, a, it's not a new gospel in the sense that it's always been the gospel. How many of y'all know that even uh, B.C., they were not saved by the works of the law? It's always being saved by faith in God. No one has ever been saved by keeping the law, ever, and never will be. But look what he says. Uh, he says, For he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, this guy, Paul, the founder of the Gentile faith, preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, is now in prison, about to be sentenced to death. Just like the people in Jesus' time, uh, when he was going to the cross, remember what I told, preached on on Wednesday? Uh, when Jesus appeared to the two disciples uh, after they had just left from seeing the empty tomb? And they didn't know it was Jesus because their eyes were closed. And Jesus went up to them and he was like, hey, what are y'all all upset about? And they're like, what have you been under a rock? Don't you know anything that's going on in this place? The God that we thought was going to save mankind and Israel out of the hands of their enemies is now dead. Not knowing the whole time they was talking to that same man. 
But their hearts were broken and they were crushed because they thought and believed one thing, but then their thoughts and beliefs were crushed because the man was delivered unto death. The same thing is happening in the life of Paul now. The man establishing the church to the Gentiles and trying to grow the church is now in prison, about to be sentenced to death, and they're like, man, I can't be associated with that guy. He's a criminal. If they find me associated with him, they'll put me in there too. That's what's going on. But then Onesiphorus, not ashamed of Paul, not trying to be like, you remember Peter? No, I don't know that guy. What are you talking about? And then started talking about some blankety blank, get up out of here. Using curses. Just because he was asked if he knew Jesus. Actually, it was said that, I know you was walking with Jesus. No, I wasn't. Saving his own skin. Let us be this Onesiphorus. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently, and he found me. He knew Paul was in a great place of need. And he didn't stop looking for him until he found him in that deep, dark dungeon, that dark place in his life. And because of that act of kindness, Paul wrote about that in his letter. I wonder if that touched him. I wonder if that meant something to him. He says that that the Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day and in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. Church, let's keep a cool head in all this and remember that we are the light of the world. We are not without hope. No matter what happens... We're not without hope. And we got to remember, the Bible says some things is going to happen. Regardless of your view uh, on when and where and how the church is going to be taken up into glory, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, a-trib, pan-trib, and whatever else that people have to throw at, regardless of your view in that, no, the Bible said some things will transpire then the Son of Man will appear to call His people. So don't be surprised. We're not without hope. We believe that when we leave this world, we enter into a better place. Let's preach that hope, shall we? Let's act like we believe that in Jesus' name. And I want to leave you with this one last portion of Scripture found in James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Now watch this. Cleanse your hands. Yes, sir. Wash them good. Pray over them. Lord, take it away, because so, I can't help but touch my face, y'all. I can't help it. Cleanse your hands. I didn't say it. Don't take offense. He's talking to me too, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, double-minded. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word and for your comfort in our time of need. Lord, none of this should catch us by surprise at all.
But because of the fear of the unknown, the enemy is having a field day in the hearts and minds of even believers. So, Lord, I'm praying right now in Jesus' name that you would have your way. Lord, that you would draw us into yourself, Lord, because you say that we need to draw to you and then you'll draw nigh to us, Lord. Let us not draw away from you, panicking over the uncertainties of the time, not saying that we, we shouldn't have preparation, but Lord, you say that you will supply all of our needs, probably not all of our wants, definitely not, but you will supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory, which far outshines public's riches and glory and resources, Kroger's riches and glory and resources, Home Depot's and whoever else and Ingalls and the gas stations and all that where we go to search for our needs and our wants. But Lord, you say that you will supply them. So I trust you. Father, lead us and guide us by our faith. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, that concludes what I have to say. Uh, Anybody who wants to come and stand in agreement, we're going to pray for this uh, COVID-19 to bow in the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to pray that the peace that passes understanding will begin to guard and keep the hearts and minds of them that believe in Christ Jesus. Why? Because what did I preach to you on Wednesday? What Paul wrote to the church at Corinth when he said, uh, I have allowed you to go through all of these things. And even in the midst of them, I've given you comfort and your tribulation. And here's why I've given it to you. So you could take that comfort to the rest of the world and begin to share that comfort and share that peace because you have experienced this fact, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We know He is. So when we've tasted that, God says, I've not given you that comfort and that spirit of peace just so you can hold on to it for yourself, but so you can share it with somebody else that might be struggling. Remember what he said in Galatians chapter 6. I'll probably misquote this a little bit. But he that is in a fault, ye who are uh, spiritually ready and mature, something along these lines, I should know this, but it's escaping me exactly. Go to your brother and restore him in a spirit of meekness, lest ye also should be tempted. Church, we're going to struggle. We're going to have brothers and sisters in the faith that struggle during times of trial and tribulation. We're going to have unbelievers that struggle in times of trial and tribulation. We're going to have family members in our own households that are going to struggle through their trials and tribulations. God said, remember what I've done for you. That's ammunition to use against the fiery darts of the wicked. The sword of the Spirit. When Jesus was tempted 40 days and 40 nights, what did he do? He wielded the sword of the Spirit. What has God done for you?
you can share because how many of you know that you ain't the only one who's going through what you're going through? God, God wants to. That's why he said we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We overcome. We are not overcome. We overcome. So if y'all will stand in agreement with these things with me right now, and you guys on Facebook, I'm talking to y'all too. Let's agree that the Lord has a plan and a purpose for His people. And it ain't to be running around, acting foolish and crazy, but to be of a sound mind, remembering, being put in remembrance of the gift, stirring up the gift that is in you for this time of trial, tribulation, and crisis. Father, we come to you right now. And Lord, your word says that we should submit ourselves to you. Not to fear, not to panic, not to crisis, but Lord, we will endure those things. But in those things especially, we should submit ourselves to you. Father, I'm I'm hoping and trying my best right now to do that. And I know I'll probably fall short. But Lord, let no corrupt communication therefore proceed out of my mouth. Except that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto those that hear it. Father, let my words match my faith in you. And let my faith be pure, remembering that you're not finished with us. But in these last days, Lord, you will pour out your spirit among all flesh. Lord, you'll use us as instruments of righteousness for your glory when all else seems to be crumbling and falling down around us. Father, we're praying right now against this COVID-19 and even more so against the panic and the fear, the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear that you haven't given us, but the spirit of fear that the enemy has given us. Lord, he would love to plant that seed, that spirit, that word, that idea of fear in our hearts, keeping our minds away from the reality that, Lord, you have given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. It's by your power that we are overcomers of the things of this world the wiles of the devil. So Lord, I'm praying for our brothers and sisters out there to rise up in Jesus' name. Father, that while we're at home, any of us who may be having to be secluded, we don't have a job going right now, our job is shut down, our schools are shut down, and all these different things, Lord, help us to draw nigh to you in this time. Lord, I saw a post on Facebook that said, I bet you right now, during these next couple of weeks, weeks of quarantine or whatever may happen, the, the uh, subscriptions to movie channels and streaming networks like Netflix and Disney and all that is going to skyrocket. Lord, I'm praying against that right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm praying that people will open up their Bibles because your word says If my people who are called by my name 
will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will come and I will heal their land. Father, everything has to bow at the name of Jesus. Father, bless your church so we may endure this time of crisis in a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind so we can give you all the glory. We're asking that you would smash this thing under the power of your word in Jesus' name. Nevertheless, your will, not our will, be done. We raise our voices to you now, God, making our request known, if nothing else but for this fact, that the peace of God that passes understanding should guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we stand with you. Help us to stand in one another, strong in our faith. We can't do it without the Holy Ghost. Pour your spirit amongst your people right now. Please, in Jesus' name, let not your children be harmed and be caught up in this mess, getting sick, Lord, we ask that your healing touch be upon this nation right now. And all the nations across the world, let it be on this church. Let it be on this building. Let any infection that may rest upon any place in this house, God, be eradicated in Jesus' name right now. Father, we're lifting up you in this house, God. You said if you lift, be lifted up, you will draw men unto yourself. And they did lift you up on that cross. So, Lord, we lift you up right now in our hearts, being crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we still live, yet we don't live. It's Christ that liveth in us. We're a new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Old conversations are passed away. Old thoughts are passed away. Old thoughts and ideas and, and distractions, Lord, are passed away. All things are become new. We cast down every imagination and high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of Christ and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of your word. Fear shall not have dominion in our life. We love you. We praise you. We seek you. And you alone give us wisdom how to proceed forward. We don't want to be rebels without a cause, Lord, disobeying uh, any authority that's over us or any recommendation at all in Jesus' name. None of that. But Lord, let us stand fast in our faith. Let us be the light and help us to be the light of the world by your grace because we can't do it without it. By your mercy, because we can't do it without it. By your love, because we can't do it without it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace. May the Lord bless you and keep you in all your endeavors. Get up, get dressed, and get up out of here.